0: You put your hand on your heart and feel it beating and decide if what you wrote feels true. You do it because the doing of it is the thing. The doing is the thing. The talking and worrying and thinking is not the thing. That is what I know. Amy Poehler.
1: Welcome to Her Own Words, a Dear Damsels podcast. We're Abby and Bridie of the team behind Dear Damsels, and this podcast is part of our overall mission to provide a platform for female voices, which is what we've been doing online and in print for the past three years. We want to share women's voices and women's stories in their own words. Today we'll be catching you up on springtime, my dear damsels. We're talking about our most recent themes, awakening, escape and body, talking about the funny women debate and other things that have caught our eye as the sun has started to shine. So we start this episode with a quote from Amy Poehler. Why did you pick this quote, Abs?
0: So I chose this one because it is something I think about a lot ever since I read Amy Poehler's memoir, Yes Please, it just kind of swirls around in the back of my head So it's taken from the prologue and I like it because it does apply to all aspects of life but she was uh, writing it about writing her book. So nice writing link there. When you're really putting yourself out there with something like a memoir Mm. um, and you're in a really kind of vulnerable place which I think you can often feel about writing something or just doing something new. You can think about it all you want but in the end, you have yeah. to just do it. I think that's a really good mantra just to have at the back of yeah, your mind. Yeah,
1: it reminds me of one that I have actually, kind of with um, our friend Libby. Shout out to Libby. <laughs> um, whenever we do like New Year's resolutions or something, one of the things that we always say to each other is, say the thing, be the thing.
0: Yeah, nice. So
1: like if I say... I'm a writer, then I'm going to be the thing. I'm going to do writing. Or if I say, I'm a co-founder of Dear Damsels, then I'm going to co-found and run Dear Damsels. Mm. Like, it's sort of the thing of once you say it, you should follow through with it. Mm. And that always applies to, like, resolutions and stuff, but also to, like, something like writing a memoir. Like, the writing is the thing. So just do the thing.
0: I definitely felt about felt it about this podcast.
1: <laughs> that was it. We're like, oh, we're podcast hosts now. We're Let's gonna, just, do we're the just thing. doing the thing, and here we are, three episodes in. This still is doing still thing. doing the thing. Definitely still doing it with equipment that's a bit dodgy, but it's all fine. Oh, well, that's a brilliant quote to start the episode, which takes us on to our first section of the podcast, which is recently on dear damsels, when we're going to have a quick discussion about the themes and conversations that we've had for this part of 2019. If you don't know how it works, we open submissions on a new theme every month for Dear Damsels, and anyone who is female-defining can submit a piece of writing, be it fiction, personal stories, poetry, anything that you would like to say in response to that theme. The result is a whole month of conversation around one topic, and that's what we're about to explore. So back in April, our theme was Awakening. We kind of expected that it would have lots of things about waking up, Mm. having a big moment of realisation, standing Mm. somewhere and sort of your whole worldview changing.
0: And a kind of spring. Yeah, I think that was like true as well. Writing. We were
1: like, spring awakening.
0: That's a musical. Spring awakening. Spring awakening.
1: Great musical. Um, but yeah, we were like, oh, it's spring. This is when stuff buds and blooms and things <laughs> like that. And like changes coming. And yeah. you're wearing shorts again. Like that sort of thing. We thought it was going to be quite, a, maybe dramatic, I would say. But maybe one of like, I don't know, definitely moments of like change. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we realized is that it was stuff coming in that was a lot more quiet. It felt we were getting pieces about internal awakenings, moments of realisation to do with yourself in a moment that doesn't have to be so life-changing. No,
0: Yeah, just a that very everyday thing. Yeah,
1: which I think we, again, we're always surprised by some of the ways that people respond to themes and that mm. was definitely what we saw. We got a piece from um, Lou Smith called Anyone, which is a creative non-fiction piece about Dating in London, um, but also talking about how that is a sort of making her realise things about herself, like how she navigates,
0: how, learning as you go, yeah, that
1: sort of thing. Yeah, um, but again, on the counter side, we had a fiction piece by Gabrielle Turner called "Tamed," which was about a woman whose haircut changes mm. how she feels about herself, yeah. and that's the sort of small things like that, it's the everyday things that reveal a slight change yeah. within you that you may have not noticed before, understood before.
0: Yeah, and linked to that that haircut piece we had, Ellie Poole writing about her relationship with makeup, recognising makeup as, you know, the product of a sexist culture, but then actually she thinks about it again and the act of putting makeup on, she finds it empowering. So I guess it's just like taking stuff rather than an awakening, yeah, being like a massive moment. It's more just... yeah taking a moment to take stock and like note things down about yeah, yourself <laughs> and i feel
1: so it's like everyone's always changing and everything you know you're always growing as a person and whether way that you thought you were might not actually be who you are currently mm. at that moment So we were talking before we started about everyday things that we've learned about ourselves recently, because that's kind of what we started thinking about when looking back on this theme. Mm. And one of the things I was talking to Abs about is I've always been quite like a busy person doing things, people, like my nickname at my old job was Action Girl. (laughs) Like I was always the one doing stuff. I was out on weeknights, just seeing those people, keeping up with those people. And what I've realized about myself now is that, well, that is an important part of like who I am. I really need to also be a homebody. Um, I always admire you, Abs, because you do put in your diaries, like, this day I'm at home. (laughs) And this day. And this day. This day (laughs) day I must be at home. But, like, I've started to do that. Like, if someone asks me if I'm free in a week, I'll look at my diary and be like, right, I need to have at least two nights in Mm. this week to, like, get my stuff together and feel at home and feel grounded because otherwise I just feel completely, like... And just don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's helped me realize this is: um, I've been with my boyfriend now for like a year and a bit, eighteen months ish, and being able to not use him as an excuse, but be like, <laughs> "I'm seeing my boyfriend tonight," means that we're just going to chill and chill out, and it won't be like yeah. me having to. I can recoup it's in like that way.
0: Those yeah, and
1: I still think I have that you know, side of me who likes being busy and seeing people. Mm-hmm. Like, if I don't see anyone in a week or do any social activity, I do feel a bit like antsy. But it's just me realising that there's this other side to me as well that I have to mm. listen to and
0: respect. You yeah, talking about that, it's just reminding me of that. You know when you're on a night out and you're a bit like, oh, God, it's only like 9 o'clock and like I should probably stay till 11 or whatever. Yeah. That's me, wild night out. <laughs> but, you know, when you Started have that moment... Like three hours of five yeah. <laughs> You know when you have that moment where you're like, actually, I can just leave whenever I want. Yeah. And that feels, like, that feels like a real moment of like, I can just leave. I can what just leave. I can do that whenever. Yeah. That always sounds good. The thing, uh, everyday thing I've learned about myself recently is I'm always kind of like battling with whether I'm a morning person because I do, I like it, but then, uh, hard getting up. But recently I've been making a real effort to like wake up early and use like an hour of time to do something for me. And that makes me feel much more in control of my life. So Yeah, I think
1: having like an hour to yourself is always really important. Mm. Like I yoga most days mm. and like I know that sounds really wanky but I do no, it doesn't. um Adrian. and Adrian oh my god my queen I love her so much <laughs> just she got a dog called Benji and it's absolutely incredible anyway um but that sort of hour or even 20 minutes to myself yeah. changes my whole day yeah so it's sort of that by getting up and factoring that time for you yourself is really important
0: absolutely a piece that we had for this month that really links to that is by Kaku and that is called never the same sleep again It's an amazingly powerful piece. So she's writing from the perspective of, you know, nearly about to turn 30. And there's always those articles talking about 30 things I've learned at 30 that she sort of turns out on her head and says, why do you need to wait for a certain point in your life to take stock and say, here's all the things I've learned. Mm. And I'll just read a brief excerpt from it to better explain what I just said. (laughs) So she says. I just think, why wait? If you had a particularly educational March 2017, why wait till your 30th birthday two years later to actually write about it, talk about it, process and move on from it? Or enjoy it, celebrate it, or whatever, whatever it needs. If there's one thing I know, it's this. Awakenings happen every day and in all sorts of different ways. A milestone isn't the same as an awakening, so there's no use in waiting for the first this, that or the other. Um, the
1: milestone isn't the same as an awakening yeah so it's so clever it's the same way you know it's like new year new me and everyone's like new year starts every day Mm. like that sort of thing but it's true and I think like yeah you can change you don't have to wait to wait for anything Mm. to do different things I think
0: often that can be like I guess people wait until they can buy a house or like get married whatever but it's like what are you actually expecting you're not going to change just because those things have happened in your life and actually putting a lot of expectation piling expectation onto those moments is setting yourself up for failure really because yeah. you're still going to be in the same place yeah I
1: do think actually it's something that I think people feel in our generation quite a lot because it's like oh like when I get get this job then I'll be able to do this or I'll work until like five years and now I'll stop and I'll go traveling mm. and I'll do this and that's the milestone where planning out your life when it's really unpredictable so what typically saying is like what's the point mm. like any time is your moment to seize like you can do whatever and it doesn't matter if you're 20 30 or 40 or if you're just like 25 like at any point you can stop and like do something else or yeah. take yourself forward in a different way and awaken.
0: Yes, to a new exactly. phase? Which is It's a br- brilliant piece, um, you should definitely all go read it. And so that takes us on to May, and our theme for May was Escape. I think we quite desperately wanted to escape in May for <laughs> various political reasons. It was very nicely timed. Uh, we had an amazing range of pieces. Our very first piece of the month was about a daydream of escaping to Texas, which I definitely would love to do yeah, as well. so nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we had imagined a lot of travelling kind of pieces, escaping to sunnier climes, and especially as we're coming into summer now, I think we all have that kind of escape mm-hmm. on the brain that we didn't actually get so many of those pieces. No. Did we push? <laughs> no, we
1: didn't. No, end up being not that not that all of our themes aren't fun. But this theme was really fun. It was really <laughs> no, fun. it was really nice how people took the theme and took it places that we quite weren't again we weren't expecting it, but it was mm. like a, it, it felt very varied yeah. in terms of subject so matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we had um, a couple of examples of fun pieces that we had Emily Tucker wrote about her mm-hmm. recurring daydream of basically running away with Harry Kane which is excellent it's absolutely um, excellent if you just want a great yeah. fun read describe it as a romp not a in romp. that way
1: <laughs> I ended up stuck in um like on Twitter finding gifts of Harry Kane while yeah. I was trying to tweet out this to promote it I was just like oh god sweet prince Yes. Yeah. And, so and we got lovely.
0: um after all our Harry Kane content Twitter kept trying to recommend us tweets about Harry Kane and football. And that <laughs> Which we're isn't not a actually a bad thing. We're not quite into that though. But um, I mean, he lost
1: last night. They were recording this after the Champions League final. So there's going to be loads of sad Harry Kane gifts for us to use. Well, I don't even well. know
0: who he plays for <laughs> Friday. <laughs> okay, so. moving swiftly on. So but we... <laughs> that was a great daydream um, that we shared. We also had a piece called Sick Days by Laura mitchell Cafour. And that was about just those days where you decided to sack it all You loved this. <laughs> I do, because I love the idea of a sick day... Um pulling a sickie not that I pull loads of sickies myself no but
1: I mean it made me think so yeah this piece is about a girl who's in London and like she's really stressed like quite the point of exhaustion with her mm. job and one day she wakes up and she's just like no nope, I'm just gonna take this day for me yeah and that's really important and I remember again like going back to what I was talking about earlier about being really busy I remember when my first mm. job in publishing I didn't take a sick day for my first Two years there. Yeah,
0: and I remember also being similar. And you like take an odd pride in like, yeah, um, a sick and you sit and, and it's
1: like I drag my feeble body yeah. to work, like dose stuff on lemsip, like now I have to like show the grind is real. It's like yeah. no,
0: you don't you, actually need to do that. You don't at all. need to do that
1: because it makes you feel terrible. I mm-hmm. did feel terrible.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think you know in America they have mental health days, don't they? And. Whereas here, we I think some
1: workplaces have uh, it. I don't think, think it's like in. yeah, I don't think it's like a universal. Mm. It, but I think it was also sometimes people feeling ashamed to say exactly.
0: So like you can be in that place where you don't feel you can go to work because you just feel your head's not there. Then having to say it's because you've got a cold or whatever. Just yeah, being able to be more open about those yeah
1: things. I do think some workplaces definitely have that mm. like my current workplace is really good at it Like, okay. yeah if I you know they're always encouraging if it's a bit rough to also work from home days generally as well yeah, definitely. that's sort of another counter to it I think is like if you feel a bit like I can't face going in it necessarily doesn't mean you have to you mm. can work from home yeah and um, but yeah this piece is really lovely and like it ends with like her like reading and having a cup of tea it's mm. really nice And sort of talking about that need existing in the city and feeling a bit sick and sort of dealing with those feelings of entrapment that can happen. We had a piece from Lucy Goodwill called I've Been Thinking, which is a creative nonfiction piece where she discusses her own chronic illness and how that feeling trapped in your body sort of impacted her surroundings and sort of changed the way that she viewed things, and like in her flat or in her work or even the city, making her feel like, oh, she wanted to escape London, but Mm. really she wanted to escape the illness that she was struggling with. And a really good example of those themes um, is in this extract where she's talking about her flat, which I'll just read to you now. I've been growing too accustomed to the square footage of my studio flat with too in-depth knowledge of the crack in the ceiling above my bed and precisely how long to leave the water heater on so my shower won't scold me. I sit down for my showers these days because my legs won't hold me up for that long. Usually I lie down after, towel still wrapped around my freshly cleaned hair, the simple gesture of holding my arms up to scrunch the shampoo, wiping out my energy reserves. My sheets are becoming discoloured from my pyjamas. So many hours of existing in the same place. I just think that really, yeah, it sort of, you really feel that, like, not entrapment, but that way of being stuck in a place. And Mm. she's talking about, like, the crack in the ceiling above my bed. Like, if you're not able to leave a place, that sort of intensive knowledge that comes with it and that sort of lethargic way Mm. that you
0: operate in the space. Also, how we were talking about, we expected to get lots of pieces about physically escaping mm. a place, but actually got a lot of pieces about escaping places in your mind, going to various daydreams. And, and this piece is really interesting because it's about what happens to your mind when you can't physically escape somewhere. A really interesting combination.
1: Yeah, it was a really good piece. It was We, we were sort of taken aback by it, I think, because again, mm. it was something you wasn't expecting, but then we thought a lot about. Um, and also, like she does at the end say, like she sort of understands that it's not Need to escape the city. Mm. It's more of like her own trying to deal with her own body. And um, yeah, it was really, really good. Our bodies <laughs> taking mm. us on to our June theme. And there's lots of talk of tits and boobs and bodies and pregnancy mm. and touch and sensuality. It's very visceral, mm. um, and it's one of our been one of our most popular themes. Um, which is why it has taken us so long to get back to people.
0: of, <laughs> loads for of us written, on the yeah, audience.
1: which was amazing. And it definitely has a real like physicality to it, no matter what they're exploring, you know, from exercise to growing up, childhood relationships with bodies, doctor's appointments, or even like how bodies are discussed on social media. There's so much to take apart in this theme, and it's gonna be a brilliant one on the site. But one of the things that we wanted to focus on in this discussion was the personal relationship that you have with your body there's a couple of pieces about that and I think it's something that we always feel really interesting to read about like Mm -hmm. we just read about it in Lucy's piece but we were really interested to see how people interpreted that and we've just launched a piece called Anatomy by Elizabeth Atkin it's a short fiction story about this wonderful female character and talking about the marks on her Mm -hmm. body and the personality that lives within it parts of her that she can't see that other people can the history behind like scars or Mm -hmm. like pimples yeah
0: and like moles in the back of her neck neck.
1: yeah I just
0: have a idea that there's still as she's growing older there's still more about her own body that she's still discovering and like yeah it's really nice and kind of things like the missing tooth she lost when she was younger it's just really intimate in the most literal way Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's really interesting and really beautifully written From that kind of discussion of one character's personal relationship with their body that they're still discovering, we also had a brilliant piece called Growing Pains by Ema O'Toole. Again, another beautiful piece about a relationship with someone's body. This is creative nonfiction, so Ema structures this piece really beautifully, and it zooms in on certain moments throughout her childhood from age eight, age nine, age 12 and just sort of checking in about where she was with her body at that time she has this really amazing way of you know those ordinary moments from your childhood that just stick in your memory yeah. and you don't quite know why but yeah. it's obviously quite like a there's a yeah significant well when I, yeah, when I read
1: this piece I was like oh like it really hit me because there's pieces you know, when you just like remember I don't know a boy commenting on your Mm. body and you'll be like that stayed with you forever or like the first time you became aware of like men look at you in a different Mm. way like those sorts of moments that are so tied to your body but they stick with you forever so when we're reading Ema's piece we're just like oh like they all came to the forefront
0: I'll read a little extract from this piece because it's so beautiful this is her age nine you're squeezed into a cramped changing room cubicle before your p5 class's first swimming lesson You squeal at your classmate not to turn around as you haven't got your boobs covered yet. She informs you somewhat dryly that she hasn't got boobs yet. That entire term, you don't take in a single thing about doggy paddles or breaststroke or what you should do if you come across a rubber brick that's (laughs) dying a slow and watery death. You're too preoccupied by how your thighs wobble and shake on the 100-mile-long hike from the changing room to the poolside. Oh, I
1: hated swimming lessons.
0: I know. Doesn't that oh bring my back? Oh, God. I, need I literally them too. remember
1: it so well and
0: just like Like, the feel of it. The like feel, like you're yeah. the feel of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, do you have to wear school. swimming caps? Yes. Oh,
1: God, I have the roundest face. I have such a moon face. I just remember putting on. It's really like,
0: painful to like, yeah. pull it over your coat. And it. you had
1: to, get, like, you had to like, tie it up, and you had that weird lump, and you're just standing and <laughs> staring at yourself. And you're just like, this is the worst. And I am
0: like Torture, a child, right? and I'm going to have to yeah. go out there where there's I'm, boys. I remember a very scary like Scottish swimming teacher just shouting at you because it's really loud, isn't it? Everybody's splashing yeah. around, so you're just being shouted at horrible time such a
1: horrible time <laughs> but again this is the thing isn't it it's like the bo- your body is such a link to those mm, moments and yeah because it's
0: such a I can remember like the dry feel of your hair and your yeah like and, so cap over and your wet feet and just like so many and I can feel picking up the brick I can remember how the brick yeah it's just a it's weirdly, so tactile yeah. but that's
1: because your body has lived through the experience with you mm. and so when you remember it you remember it mm. like physically but
0: I actually think that's interesting because we had some interesting pieces about exercise and that's like an important thing about using your body in those ways Mm. because it does it really engages something in your mind doesn't it when you're doing those kinds of activities whether it's slightly horrible like skit swimming yeah whatever yeah (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: or a more positive experience like yoga with adrian
1: (laughs) (laughs) yoga with adrian and lovely benji oh god we should just do one right now
0: like truly a yoga special Brings us on to our dearest damsels. This is a part of the podcast where we talk to women who are doing great things and who we think you should be aware of and invite them to speak about the projects that they're working on. This week we're speaking to Taku Barbaros from the theatre collective Plunge. You might recognise Taku from earlier on in the podcast when we spoke about her brilliant poem Never the Same Sleep Again. I realise now that we should probably should have asked Taku to read it herself, as she would have done a much better job than I did, but at least you get to hear her dulcet tones now. Plunge is a trio, so Taku is joined by Lily Pollard and Isabella Maluska, and they were recently featured in Glamour, who described Plunge as blurring the line between art and activism, a powerhouse feminist collective. As a theatre group, Plunge make feminist productions tackling issues including equal pay and sexual harassment. They've taken their shows to the Edinburgh Fringe and to schools across the country to talk about body positivity and they're also working on a sitcom now. We asked Taku how they met and how Plunge came to be.
2: Actually, as conventionally rom-com as it sounds, we met at university. Uni's kind of mad because it's kind of like putting a magnet Underneath a particular city And it pulls together All these people From different walks of life And backgrounds And that was genuinely us Like I don't know Where the three of us Would have met otherwise Um, Yeah so we're doing Drama and English Lit And it kind of just Became natural After we graduated That we'd form a company And in 2013 We kind of formally Started up Because we applied For residency At The Lyric And we got it um, and that was where we started really exploring and creating and working around with stuff. Um, and yeah, so we've played around with a few different things. So we've had, we did a show called Private View, which looks a body image in, in women, and we toured it and we did loads of outreach to work with it. And then kind of moved on to doing some immersive stuff. And then did another show in Edinburgh. So again, always, but it's always carrying like the same flavour of who we are, the same ideas we want to be exploring. Like it's always got that big feminist heart, like it's surreal and it's dark, but it's also clowny. We're using ourselves, we're using our own personal sort of perspectives and backgrounds kind of for the banter, like kind of getting it all in there. And I think that's important because there's so many ways in which representation is improving, but it's not it's not improving enough and fast enough. And I think for us to kind of work in the screen just felt like actually this is a way that we can kind of explore things in a way that we haven't been able to explore in theatre, But also, kind of to to be able to speak to more people and get out there. Um, So, we don't have anything live coming up at the moment, but we have got some stuff on YouTube that you can watch. And the best thing to do actually is just follow us online. So, quite, we are, (laughs) we spend too much time online, but we are active on Twitter and Instagram. um, So, you can follow us there, and that's where we kind of post updates. And sort of share things That is, you know And, and again, like watch the shorts and stuff I forgot they were on YouTube um, Advice that I would give to anyone starting out Is just to be aware that there, we, you're not, like, confined to one particular label. And I think what's really exciting at the moment is you get people who are writing and performing and directing. And I think that that is quite an exciting thing because I think all of those things kind of feed into your practice and there's, there's nothing to be scared of in that. Like, we, the three of us, are also always exploring, like, our own creative exploits outside of Punch. So, for example, I write... So I've been working on this play that I started developing um, as part of the Royal Court program in two, two years ago. That's just been a really interesting process for me to see how those worlds kind of. I did. I never saw myself as a playwright. I never put myself in that category, and I and I maybe still don't. But but I am writing a play, and I think it's kind of not getting caught up in like what does this make me? What kind of creative am I now? Just going like actually from project to project, things change like different. Different, different themes and different topics have different mediums that they belong in quite naturally. And I think that's something that we shouldn't be scared to explore. And I think this game is always about kind of going with the flow and saying yes to things and enjoying that, but also making sure that you don't get swept away in the tide. And it's a balance that, like, I mean, I don't know what the bottom line of securing that balance is. I think I've got better at it, but I, don't, I, think, I think we're all in the process of, like, constant learning just find find people find like-minded people connect to people because the second you have people you can soundboard to and and say like you know what like I've this is making me really uncomfortable in the industry at the moment or you know I think this is amazing like people that you can share your perspective with in a way that's more to do with kind of honest and nurturing conversation I think is really important especially because at the moment there are so many kind of changes happening in the industry but also so many things that need to be kind of spoken about and dismantled and there are so many privileges that kind of needs to be picked apart and pulled apart and I I get to do that in terms of sometimes I I like write about stuff for the tongue and then that quite often has meant I end up in dialogues with people there needs to be like kind of backstage dialogue that you're having outside of the public eye I think having an online voice is really important but I think it's even more important to have people in really real terms and in really honest ways that you can speak to and connect to. So, like, go to things, meet people, find people, go and see stuff that appeals to you, because that is where you will find other people that are like minded. I would also say uh, this is kind of taps into my advice, but also a, another collective that I just cannot like big up enough are uh, Beckdale. Like their podcast is amazing, but also just their Twitter feed—it's just a constant resource of like who's got workout, who's doing what, things that they. They themselves are doing it's a really amazing way to just kind of keep in touch and it's really inspiring all the time to see other people creating stuff as well and just like a and, and it's just it's just lovely it's like a perfect way and i think they're so supportive of the of the community so yeah i would say follow them as a piece of advice and also just follow them generally thank you so much you for speaking about the
0: fantastic plunge And also for the support you guys give to Dear Damsels, we urge everyone to go check Plunge out across their social media platforms and we'll include all the links to where you can do just that in our show notes. That takes us on
1: to online and offline, our section of the podcast where we share discussions and things that we've seen on our twitters or have been talking to about with our friends that we think would be a good discussion to bring to our podcast platform. The thing that I wanted us to talk about today, which I've of course already cleared with Abby, so this isn't completely spontaneous <laughs> to her, um, is that it seems that there's a discussion again about are women funny. It's because of Marion Keyes, a notable, hilarious female author, Mm -hmm. has announced a shortlist for the inaugural comedy Women in Print Prize. And she says this is in response to the sexist attitude that people don't expect women to be funny. The £2,000 award has been founded by the comedian-writing actor Helen Lederer last year, after Marion Keyes spoke about the sexist imbalance of the Woodhouse Prize for comic fiction. I do remember this being discussed on my Twitter at the time. The statistic is, it's the UK's only prize for funny writing. Um, And it's been won by four women in 19 years. Yeah. Which is a horrific statistic. Uh, Marion Key says that we're also steeped in internalised sexism, that we're not even aware that it's there. About how apparently... Women just aren't funny, mm, which,
0: which is just... Well, yeah, when you sort of say that question, like, are women funny? It just, it's such a stupid question to have to ask. Why wouldn't they Why be? Why wouldn't <laughs> they be?
1: I always think as well, like, I remember that question because, especially when I'm, um, like, you know, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Kirsten mm. Wig or coming up, um, like, not coming up, but obviously they're huge. Yeah, yeah. But I remember they, yeah. loads of stuff about that. Like, when Bridesmaids was released, how to defend women are funny. Anytime there's, like, a female-fronted comedic project, are women funny... And it's just tiring. And that's tiring in, like, the comedic performing sector. And now it's sort of, like everything with publishing and literature, like, taking four years to, like, (laughs) trickle down to this old institution. But, yeah, this prize has only just been set up in response to this, like, the fact that women aren't being recognised for being comedic writers.
0: Yeah, I think it's a brilliant thing that has been set up. And like you say, like, it's been talked about. There's, like, there's spikes of when it's talked about on Twitter. And you do just have to keep talking about it because it's an important thing you mentioned when we were chatting about it earlier, like as an example, Bridget Jones, as something that's so funny, but it's, it's like, is it allowed to be funny? Because it's in that space of like, how it was published, more like chick which obviously is not a term. I did air quotes. You yeah, see so you can
1: see them. <laughs> yeah, well, I think definitely like comedic writing women, you always think about chick but that's sort of where the humorous, books end up being defined. Mm. You won't think of a book by, like, we were talking again earlier, like Confessions of a Shopaholic. I found those books really funny by Sophie Kinsella. That's something that Callan O'Donoghue's podcast, Sentimental Garbage, is sort of doing as well. She did it in response to the whole Chiclet thing, Mm. and just saying, like, just because they're in this genre doesn't mean we can't, like, pick them apart and talk about how great they are in the writing style and that sort Mm. of thing.
0: And it's hard as well because when we're saying Chiclet, it's like, that is how it's perceived you know, it's genre is such a tricky thing. Mm. There's no good term for it because the other term is women's fiction. So it's like, it's specifically for
1: women. Specifically gendered. Um, Whereas like, I think also what's interesting about this um, news is that the title is Comedy Women Print Prize, but the Wodehouse Prize is for comic fiction.
0: Yeah. And we were talking about how she tried to think of, books that have made you laugh, like you were talking about those kind of YA books.
1: Yeah, so we were like, obviously, we're talking about this, trying to think of the funniest books that we could think of, and completely irregardless of gender of writer, the funniest books I've read, ever read are Louise Renison's *Anger Songs and Full Funt of Snogging series. Um, I, I completely read.
0: agree, like, so They were funny. so
1: funny, and they were like my favourite books when I was, what, I don't even know, 14, 13? But they were so funny, and then they are a book that people bring up time and time again.
0: Mm. That's something I would love to read. i felt that before, an adult, not adult, sexy, an adult version of of Angus Fong's. Because yeah, that's just it's just hilarious. And Absolutely I hilarious. Yeah. And they haven't quite, yeah,
1: I haven't quite found that yet. But also, I do think like there's um you know, Lucy Vine, the author. Oh yeah, she writes books that are funny mm, and sort of written point. for like a twenty something, early thirties audience. Again, she's. Bungled chicklet, or she says, Oh, the new Bridget Jones. And it's mm. like, why does it have to be that? Why can't it be seen as being outside of being defined by these sort of parameters? Why can't you just respect that it's a funny book and not try and put it somewhere?
0: yeah in that way it's hard because it? yeah when you're saying like Chicklet it's got, like it's got a bright pink cover hasn't it hot yeah mess. it's got yeah
1: we'll talk about hot mess i think she's got another one i can't remember the title but yeah hot mess is the one that i've read and it was funny it was really funny but again it was like new Bridget jones on the cover mm. and it's just one of those things there's where... really
0: limited ways of talking about funny women i think yeah that's what it is
1: yeah definitely which is really upsetting and even when we're talking about um you know the Louise Renison books I remember when because she, she died uh, really sadly yeah. quite early mm. um, quite young and all of the, the pieces I read like a guardian obituary was talking about mm. how funny she was yeah. and it's like why wasn't she given that recognition well she was in YA like that was her thing and maybe because she was in YA because it's such a broad genre you're able to explore those different things, like you can, it's, all,
0: it's already in a box. Yeah, it's already so. in a box.
1: So she, and like also, YA is a big box. Like mm. you get fantasy, and you can get you know, hilarious Twilight, Twilight. Twilight. <laughs> Twilight. Um, you can get comp- like historical fiction, and you can get a book about a really funny girl called Georgia who's got a big nose. Do you remember Dave? Dave Laugh. Dave Laugh.
0: Dave Laugh.
1: I found, I know this is a completely topic, but I found the film, like, it's funny, but I was like, these books are so much funnier. Like, the I The books are so There was no film, funny. I think, that could ever have done it justice to. No. And I think they
0: did a good, they gave it a good try.
1: A completely random fact is that Kylie Ray Jepsen's new boyfriend yeah. is a member of oh the Stiff Dylans.
0: I saw you tweet that.
1: I know, that. <laughs> I literally lost my mind. And I was like, if she does a synthy 80s pop cover of Ultraviolet, I will die. That would be great. Um, but, you know, Kylie Jepsen is funny. Well, maybe she is. I don't know her. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> to go back how to cruel. the point. You also mentioned Nora Ephron. I think that's a really good point. And Heartburn. Interesting to bring so her up funny. because obviously she did her romantic comedy writing as well. And so I'm not going to, I won't talk much about this because you could have a whole other podcast episode about like what is romantic comedy mm. and like how is that packaged and, and things like that. So she's an interesting one in her own right. Is there a funny book you want to recommend?
1: Yeah. So we were, again, we thought it would be good Well, also, you should check out the shortlist for this prize, because it is very good. I forgot to write down down. Good idea. uh, (laughs) If you Google comedy winning print prize, it will give you the shortlist. I think it's about five books. But a book that I found funny that I read recently, um, I read it last year, is Bleaker House by Nell Stevens. This is a book written, it's like a creative nonfiction book about Nell when she's doing her masters in creative writing, or oh, she's given a grant. I can't quite remember how. But she chooses to go and write her great novel on a tiny island in the Falklands by herself in a house with no one around her. Um and she's she has very little social interaction and she goes a bit a little bit mad. The way she deals with her isolation, she starts imagining really funny situations like there's a scene where she writes about a fake game show called Write Your Favourite, like the best book ever. And it's her competing against this random guy and it's like a judging panel, a bit like Bake Off, but for books. It's really funny. We saw her read an excerpt of it at an event hosted by the Riff Raff last year mm. and we both immediately bought a copy of the book because it was so funny but I remember like when this question came to me I was like that book made me laugh so much because it also made me laugh about something I understood really well which is the struggle of writing mm. <laughs> which is a painful thing so to laugh about that is great.
0: Mm. I think that's such a good recommendation because it's such like I don't, I can't think of any other book that's, that book no, yet, yeah. that a, that's like that. No yeah that's the thing. Really fresh like refreshing Yeah um, and that,
1: I mean when we're talking about like notable books that maybe aren't considered to be funny this is definitely one I mean mm. they did the whole thing and put a quote by Lena Dunham on the
0: front i know i there was definitely a time where every book i read had a lena dunham quote <laughs> and now lover though every book i read has a dolly alderton quote yeah on she's getting to that stage what about you abs what's a funny book that you would recommend yeah um so i was thinking about this and one thing we did talk about was queenie um which is which is really funny and again like it's not just funny there's a mm. lot more going on there um but that is a really funny book but i was thinking about is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me, which is Mindy Kaelin's first book. She's got two books, and that's her first one. I just found hilarious. Then I thought, does that kind of count? Because it's funny women from the TV writing. But books. it
1: does count if we're mm. talking about just comedy writing. Like, mm. that is comedy writing.
0: Yes. Exactly. Um, but again,
1: both of these books are like nonfiction essays, created nonfiction, so maybe they're not considered as funny
0: I think fiction of is just such a hard. So, genre just really gets in the way. Genre gets in the way. So um, genre and sexism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> two of the wonderful things kind of pinning down publishing, <laughs> truly. Actually, that's very true. Yeah. If you do want to have some funny reading, pick up those two books or just go back and read all of Angus Wong's and Full of Snogging. So it's come to the moment in the episode when we let you know what's going on with your collective and there's one project in particular that we've been working on that we're really excited to share with you and that is a project called Let Me Know When You're Home. So over the years we've written about 43 letters, which is one for each month that we've been running and each letter has asked our collective to send us their words and stories. Out of everything that is explored in the writing that we get given, there's one thing that we never tire of reading about and that is female friendships. No matter the theme, we constantly receive submissions about the relationships between women. Maybe that's because it's a kind of quietly setting forth that doesn't get enough attention. The accumulation of small moments, big hugs, loud laughs, and always a request to let me know when you're home. You'll find it in so many pieces, and I'm definitely sure you'll find it in pieces that we've discussed in this episode so far. Because female friendship and connection are central to what we do at DD, we really wanted to find a way to explore it in full and give it the space it needs and deserves. This led us to decide that in February 2020, we'll be publishing Let Me Know When You're Home, a collection of original fiction, non-fiction and poetry on the subject. It'll be our first paperback publication, and we want your words. As part of the project, we'll be launching our first crowdfunder to support project costs. We're only slightly intimidated about this part of the project, um, and hopefully this will include a way for us to pay our writers who are selected to feature in the collection. We'd love to use this opportunity to promote wide-ranging and diverse perspectives on female friendships. It's such a multifaceted topic, and we'd love to hear from as many people as possible. So whatever your story, we're really keen to hear what you have to say. Um, And if you have something to say, which I'm pretty sure you do, you should visit our website, www.deardamsels.com, and you can find a submission letter there, and lots of extra information if you've got any questions about submitting and like formats and things like that. The main thing that I'm going to tell you now though is that you need to send us all of your writing for the collection by Sunday the 11th of August 2019. We're really, really, really excited about this project and it's taking a lot of planning to get to this stage. We can't wait to take it to the next level and to show you what we've been working on and we hope you're excited to be a part of it too. Thank you for listening to Her Own Words. You can read all the pieces that we've mentioned on our website, www.deardanzels.com, and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Damsels.
0: And you can share your own words by subscribing to our mailing list and submitting for our next monthly theme. You can also subscribe to, review, and rate this podcast, please do, and basically just share it with everybody you know if you enjoyed it. That's it for now. Thank you for listening. Bye, Bri. Bye, Ab. Sorry about the pause. That was such a
1: dramatic pause. (laughs) Ha ha ha.